The Daily 202's Big Idea is sponsored by U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank believes communities thrive when individuals succeed. Working together, we can help create economic opportunity for all. Good morning. I'm James Hellman from The Washington Post, and this is The Daily 202 for Wednesday, June 19th. In today's news, Mike Pompeo delivers a private threat to Iran. Hope Hicks will get pressed on Capitol Hill today for what she knew about the hush money payments. And President Trump kicks off his re-election campaign with a raucous rally. But first, the big idea. Patrick Shanahan withdrew yesterday from consideration to become Secretary of Defense. In the months that he has served as Trump's acting secretary, Shanahan has worked to keep domestic violence incidents within his family private. His wife was arrested after punching him in the face, and his son was arrested after a separate incident in which he hit his mother with a baseball bat. On Tuesday, Trump announced in a tweet that Shanahan will not be going through with the nomination process, which had been delayed by an unusually lengthy FBI background check, so that he can, quote, devote more time to his family. Shanahan spoke publicly about the incidents in interviews with the Washington Post, my colleagues Aaron Davis and Sean Boberg, on Monday and Tuesday. Shanahan said bad things can happen to good families, and this is a real tragedy. He worried that dredging up the episode publicly will ruin his son's life. In November 2011, Shanahan rushed to defend his then 17-year-old son, William Shanahan, in the days after the teenager brutally beat his mother. The attack had left Patrick Shanahan's ex-wife unconscious, in a pool of blood, her skull fractured and with internal injuries that required surgery, according to court and police records. Two weeks later, Shanahan sent his ex-wife's brother a memo arguing that his son had acted in self-defense. He said it was an imbalance of force, but added, quote, Will's mother harassed him for nearly three hours before the incident. Shanahan said Monday that he does not believe there can be any justification for an assault with a baseball bat, and said he now regrets writing that passage. Democratic lawmakers say this latest revelation demonstrates the Trump administration's failure to properly vet candidates for high-level positions. With his withdrawal and resignation, Shanahan joined several other former candidates for prominent cabinet and military leadership posts in the Trump administration who bowed out after compromising details came to light. That list includes Trump's first picks to lead the Army and Navy, and previous nominees to head the Departments of Labor and Veterans Affairs. There was particular consternation among some senators that Congress was not apprised of the incident by the administration, the FBI, or Shanahan himself. As some lawmakers noted, a background check would have accompanied Shanahan's nomination back in 2017 to become the number two at the Defense Department, a post he held until the departure of Jim Mattis in December. Army Secretary Mark Esper, a former Raytheon executive, will take over Shanahan's post at the helm of the Pentagon. Esper served 25 years in the Army and the Virginia National Guard and was a Deputy Assistant Secretary of Defense under George W. Bush. He was also National Security Advisor to then-Senate Majority Leader Bill Frist and Legislative Director to former Senator Chuck Hagel. Esper will officially take over on Monday, but it's uncertain whether Trump intends to nominate him for the permanent job. Individuals familiar with conversations that are happening at the White House say other names are also being discussed, including the current Veterans Affairs Secretary Robert Wilkie and retired Army General Jack Keane. Tom Cotton, the Republican senator from Arkansas, has been considered previously, but it's unclear whether he'll leave the Senate for such a post. And that's the big idea. 
Here are three other headlines that should be on your radar. Number one, Mike Pompeo privately warned Iran that any attack by Tehran or its proxies resulting in the death of even one American service member will lead to a military counterattack. One such message about retaliation was delivered during that hastily arranged visit to Baghdad by the Secretary of State back in May after officials detected a spike in intelligence indicating that Iran's militia proxies might resume assaults on U.S. forces operating in proximity to them across Iraq. While such attacks were common during the Iraq War, Pompeo told Iraqi leaders in a message he knew would be relayed to Tehran that a single American fatality would prompt the U.S. to hit back hard. That specific warning has not been previously reported before today. Speaking during a visit to U.S. Central Command Headquarters in Tampa on Tuesday, Pompeo said Trump does not want war, but stressed the U.S. will act if assaulted. Trump himself has sent mixed messages about the seriousness of Iran's actions and how he would respond to them. Pompeo separately blocked the inclusion of Saudi Arabia in the U.S. list of countries that recruit child soldiers, despite expert consensus within the State Department that the Saudi-led coalition has been using underage fighters in Yemen's civil war. But the administration has sought to protect its ties with Mohammed bin Salman, the crown prince, even after the murder of Washington Post contributing columnist Jamal Khashoggi. Number two, the House Judiciary Committee today will question Hope Hicks, former White House communications director, about hush money payments made to women alleging affairs with the president. The sessions constitute a breakthrough for Democrats. It's their first interview with a former White House official since Trump asserted executive privilege to bar current and former aides from cooperating. A White House lawyer will be present to keep Hicks from answering questions they say should be kept secret under the broad claim of privilege. But the committee fully expects that Hooks will talk about what happened during the campaign, even if she doesn't talk about what happened to the White House. Hicks is of key interest to Democrats because she really is close to the president. She worked for Trump before he declared his campaign four years ago this week, and she served as press secretary back in 2016 and then White House communications director. Number three, Trump launched his re-election bid with familiar promises and redoubled efforts to maintain his most avid backers on a day full of headlines that for any other administration might have seemed extraordinary. But while the high drama and persistent controversies that have defined the Trump White House are a continuation of how he conducted his successful campaign in 2016, he is now an incumbent with a record of actions that have affected people's lives and their sense of stability. Trump told the crowd in Orlando last night that his election in 2016 was the result of a political movement that has been under siege ever since, despite what he described as the great successes of his presidency. Trump's argument for a second term quickly became a rehash of grievances and false claims that we heard during the first campaign, along with a hit parade of Trump rally applause lines. Trump's rambling performance was in itself a portrait of his presidency, singular, highly personalized, and undisciplined, and the crowd loved it. Trump chose a 20,000-seat sports arena in Central Florida for his formal announcement and said he could have filled it many times over. Outside the Amway Center, a sea of people wearing MAGA hats sang along with God Bless the USA, even as thunderstorms came through. Hours before Trump's speech, the Orlando Sentinel published an editorial to announce that the newspaper will not endorse the president's re-election. The editorial board said it has seen enough, adding, quote, Enough of the chaos, the division, the schoolyard insults, the self-aggrandizement, the corruption, and especially the lies. The nation must endure another one and a half years of Trump, but it needn't suffer another four beyond that. We can do better. We have to do better. 
Now, this is striking. The paper endorsed Hillary Clinton over Trump in 2016, but the editorial board leans very conservative, and it has a long history of supporting Republicans, including a vigorous endorsement of Mitt Romney in 2012. Indeed, with the exception of Lyndon Johnson in 1964, the Sentinels endorsed every Republican nominee from 1952 through 2004. And the paper noted in its editorial that the non-endorsement of Trump does not mean that they're going to endorse whoever Democrats nominate. And that's The Daily 202 for Wednesday, June 19th. Thanks as always for listening. I'm James Hellman. I'll talk to you tomorrow.